Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, NetWorld, and thank you for tuning in as we continue in our Back to the Basics series out of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, starting in verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment, And this we will do if God permits. Yes, we have seven stones in our foundation that we've been talking about. The first one being the cornerstone of Jesus Christ found in 1 Peter 2.6. And then the six we just read in Hebrews 6 being the repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And now we're going to continue from yesterday talking about the elementary doctrine of eternal judgment. If you remember... Acts 17.31 says, Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Here we see the truth of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Because Jesus Christ is the righteous judge. We must realize that Christ is not only righteous, but he is a judge. When you put these two together, you get a righteous judge. He is both a God of grace and mercy and a God of righteous judgment. That means what he judges is right. Revelation 19.11, as we read yesterday, it says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. We discussed the two end-time judgments, the first one being the judgment seat of Christ, which is for those who are saved and have died or will be raptured. And then the great white throne judgment, which is designed for those who are not. Revelation 20.15 says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Not a very popular subject, but it is true. Because he's a God of grace and mercy, and also a God of righteous judgment. You see, the day of the Lord, his second coming, when we return with him, it's going to be great to some and dreadful to others, as we found in Malachi 4.5, which says, Behold, I'll send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. It's great for some and dreadful for others. It depends on whether you're saved or whether you're not saved. Matthew 10, 28 talks about the fear of the Lord. It's an important scripture. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And where we left off from yesterday was in John thirteen fourteen we find those who love him keep his commandments, not out of law, 
but out of love. We must be careful that our lives are not so sloppy with grace that we lose all sense of love and obedience to the Lord. I call that greasy grace. The purpose of grace is not to allow sin to continue, but rather to give freedom and the power to resist sin. Just as we fall in love with Jesus and accept his righteousness by faith, we still have the right and ability to reject him or divorce him, so to speak. There's no such thing as once saved, always saved. That's why after the six principles mentioned in Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, the first advanced level of teaching is verses 4 through 8, which says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. In verse 6, it says, if they fall away. This word fall means the spiritual fall of those who would reject or abandon Christ. And the word away means willfully or deliberately. So if they fall or reject or abandon Christ willfully or deliberately, they will lose their salvation. We should have a reverential fear and love for God that empowers us to live the righteousness he has so freely given us. We should desire a relationship with him that grows in commitment, obedience, love, affection, intimacy, respect, fear, honor, and humility. Why? Because he is love and he's a righteous judge. Because Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It also means there is condemnation for those who are not in Christ. This is why we are ambassadors for Christ. Be reconciled. There are two things that encourage me to live righteously before God. The first is his grace, and the second is his judgment. I believe we should all have a healthy respect towards his grace and his judgment. Let me read an interesting story in Acts chapter 5 about two people who lied before the Lord and quick judgment came. Acts chapter 5 verse 1 says, But a man named Ananias, his wife Sapphira, conniving in this with him, sold a piece of land secretly and kept back part of the price for himself and then brought the rest to the apostles and made an offering of it. Peter said, Ananias, how did Satan get you to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly keep back part of the price of the field? Before you sold it, it was all yours, and after you sold it, The money was yours to do with as you wished. So what got into you to pull a trick like this? You didn't lie to men, but to God. Ananias, when he heard those words, fell down dead. That put the fear of God into everyone who heard it. The younger men went right to work and wrapped him up and then carried him out and buried him. No more than three hours later, his wife, knowing nothing of what happened, came in. Peter said, tell me. Were you given this price for your field? Yes, she said, that price. Peter responded, what's going on here that you connive to conspire against the spirit of the master? The men who buried your husband are at the door, and you're next. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than she also fell down dead. When the young men returned, they found her body. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. 
By this time, the whole church and, in fact, everyone who heard of these things had a healthy respect for God. They knew God was not to be trifled with. You see, there are many who don't want to discuss the righteous judgment of God, but that judgment in the book of Acts brought a healthy respect to all the Christians who were there. Yes, we need to have a healthy respect for the love and the mercy of God and the grace of God, but we also have to have a healthy respect for the judgment of God because it's true and it will come to those who don't know his name. Remember, his righteous judgment is eternal. That's why it's called eternal judgment. His judgment is final, and his judgment is forever. Let's talk about the parable of the two foundations. In Luke six forty-seven through 49 in the New Living Testament, it says, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Remember, when we were discussing the definition of a cornerstone, the concept is derived from the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. It's very important since all the other stones are set in reference to this stone thus determining the position of the entire structure. In 1 Peter 2.6, it says, Therefore it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means put to shame. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. You see, Christianity is not only a religion of service and worship to God, a system of attitudes, beliefs, and practices. It's a real God sending his real Son to pay the price for our real sins that we may become his righteousness and live with him forever in heaven. It's about a personal relationship with God. Other religions do not show a God of love wanting relationship. They do not teach or express a God who's personally interested in the affairs of men. But other religions show the concept of God as an aloof God who is far above the character of man and he's not looking for a personal relationship with man. He may be a God to worship, but he has no personal character as a God who wants to walk in the cool of the day or the cool of the garden together with man. God is more a philosophy than a personal God who cares and loves his people. In order to understand anything about the Old or New Testament, we must understand God's ultimate character. He created us for fellowship with him. He lost our fellowship due to our sin. He paid the price of sin for us and wants us to return to him. It's all about the prodigal son's return it's all about the marriage between the bride and groom, and this is why repentance and faith are so important. In any important relationship, if you make a mistake, you repent for your mistake. Once completed, then you stand in faith, believing the relationship has been restored. Let's not judge the world as sinners without first looking at ourselves. Yes, we are washed in the blood, and we become the righteousness of God in him, but how are we truly living our lives? Are we really good examples for Christ to the world? Are we really in an honest relationship with Christ as it should be? Or are there some other things that we need to be honest with him about? It's not our salvation that's in question. It's our relationship with him. Are we seeking his word on a regular basis? Are we serving him like we should be serving him? Are we talking with him as we should be talking with him? Are we supporting his kingdom on earth as we should be supporting it? 
If the tithe is truly his, are we being faithful with it? Is there sin in our lives that we need to do something about? Is our faith and trust in him as strong as it should be? What kind of relationship do we actually have? Do we have one of repentance and faith, honesty and truth, humility and boldness? Well, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's all about Jesus. Remember, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Repentance from dead works is the next foundational principle. Faith toward God is an essential principle. The doctrine of baptisms is very important. The laying on of hands is how we should operate. The resurrection of the dead is what's going to happen, and eternal judgment will happen to the lost. Yes, the foundation principles of doctrine are very important, but we must always understand it's all about our fellowship and relationship with him. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Let's start with him, stay with him, and finish with him. Well, this finishes our Back to the Basics series on the foundation principles of Christ. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. So I look forward to being with you in my next netcast. Mark your calendar, set your clock, and tune in next time as we continue to declare the amazing Word of God. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.